Today we're continuing the series called Unnamed, and if you read the entire second chapter of Acts, um, then you might be asking the question, well, who is the unnamed in this story? And the unnamed one in this story is the Holy Spirit. You know, one common theological mistake I think we make from time to time is to ascribe to the Holy Spirit the pronoun it. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is a who. When, when we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about God in three persons, right? Not two persons and an it. You know, the Holy Spirit is that living presence of God that, um, uh, that involves the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and brings the faith to us uh, even in the present, especially in the present. The Holy Spirit is a who, a holy person. But is the Holy Spirit really unnamed? The Holy Spirit created the church of the resurrected Lord, just as Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would do. You know, each day it, it seems like that the COVID-19 era is passing, and aren't we thankful for that? And today we acknowledge that the world has truly changed, and so has U.S. culture regarding church. Monday of this past week, we had a clergy session of the annual conference, which we do annually. Uh, this time we met in person, which was the first time we've been able to do that in many, many, many months. And I agreed with our bishop when he said the greatest blessing of that day was hearing all the clergy in the conference sing hymns. We were at St. Andrew's United Methodist Church in Plano, and it just sounded heavenly to hear all of those blended voices singing those traditional hymns of the church. But then the bishop said something that really I also agree with. He said, if you are expecting church to come back the way you knew it, get over it. It's not coming back like it used to be, but it could come back even better. And, and that will have a lot to do with the way we yield or submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, won't it? You know, we have now um, and into the future created a virtual dynamic to church that is very attractive to many. You know, I remembered when 30 plus years ago when I was working at First United Methodist Church in Houston, we had a huge church and a huge uh, a television broadcast back in the day, you know. Uh, we came on at 11 o'clock, free of charge for all the world to see. And when people visited the church, it wasn't like they were first-time visitors. They may have been watching us for years on television, so when they came to the church, they were pretty much making a statement that we're ready to be part of the community. We have to realize that, you know, people have gotten used to uh, eating Mexican food and drinking a margarita on Saturday night and watching uh, the, 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 the service on live stream, sipping a latte in their PJs. And, and before we're quick to criticize that, uh, let us say that we're just glad everybody is coming on however. But we are going to talk about a dynamic of the church that I think involves 
our presence. So, we who love the church and try to understand the essence of the church created and empowered by the Holy Spirit have to answer this question. Here's the question of the morning. Is the Holy Spirit still changing lives through the sacred fellowship of the church? Is the community of the church that gathers to worship and praise God gathered to serve Christ in loving acts of ministry to others still viable? To answer these questions, we're going to go back to the beginning of the church on this Pentecost Sunday. We're going to go back to the birth of the church and the basics of the faith that the Holy Spirit instilled deeply into the church. So the question this morning is, why church? Because through the church, the Holy Spirit prompts us to proclaim the most basic theological truth that God loves us. And we need to hear that message. The world needs to hear that message. I love the anthem that uh, Brooke sang this morning about uh, uh, the, the fire and going to burn and all of the things that, uh, that, that would equate to sin. And, and yet we have a good news message, don't we? And that's the message that God loves us. You know, maybe the first Christian hymn or song that you learned, or, or pretty close to the first, was Jesus Loves Me. Is that right? Uh, Jesus Loves Me has been sung by more children than any other hymn, and it is simply stated um, as one of the most popular hymns throughout the world. The, the message is so simple, it's so basic. that This hymn was written in 1860 by Anna Warner. Miss Warner wrote this hymn text uh, with the help of two people. She and her sister wrote a novel called Say and Seal. And, and one of the best-selling novels of the day was Say and Seal. And the simple poem spoken uh, by the beloved character Mr. Linden was the way they comforted a little boy named Johnny Fax who was dying. Mr. Linden in the novel read this poem to him, all four verses. Of course, we know the first verse, but I want to read the last three. That was the, the very poem that Mr. Linden shared with Johnny. Jesus loves me, loves me still, though I'm very weak and ill. That I might from sin be free, bled and died upon the tree. Jesus loved me, he who died. Heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little children come in. Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me all the way. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. That's the basic message that we share with a world in need. That we remind one another in the fellowship of the Christian church. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why church? 
Because the Holy Spirit unites us to a story, a history that connects us to the saints, the martyrs who were willing to die for their faith. You know, it's hard for us in Dallas, Texas in 2021 to to really fully relate to, to what it meant to be a first century Christian, how dangerous it was, even costing one's life to be a professing Christian. Luke wrote the Acts of the Apostles, um, that part of the Bible, to tell us so, to tell us about the love of Christ, to tell us how the church was started. He told the story about how Christians accepted their life in Jesus Christ and lived it victoriously. He gives us the early part of Acts and some of the ways that, that, that they were able to be supportive one with another. And we're going to talk some more about that in a minute. But we need to fully embrace the fact that when the Holy Spirit stirred the birth of the church, it was difficult and dangerous for the Christians. When Luke penned the Acts of the Apostles, there were people being killed because of their faith. And Luke was very well aware of the growing hostilities. He knew that Paul had been executed. He also knew of other apostles who had already been killed for their faith. And he knew that only John, as tradition says, was the one who was not martyred for the faith. And their devotion to Christ and the church was unwavering. For them, just to gather was dangerous. You know, it was one thing by faith to go to a temple to engage in the liturgy of worship and praise, but Acts tells us that the church grew in the homes, around the table, in in caring for one another and uplifting the teachings of the church. They they met in the catacombs under the city of Rome. They, They met in places that were more secret And the Holy Spirit was always there. The Holy Spirit would find them no matter where they gathered in Jesus' name. Many of them had left their family and their friends and their familiar surroundings to come and to follow Christ. And so when they connected with the fellowship of the church, it was a lifeline for them. To, to the women, to the children who connected, uh, who, who may not have had means to support themselves, the church became the means. The Christian movement survived uh, the first century into the second, into the third, while the Roman Empire that tried to destroy the church fell. You know, I want us this morning to hear And let us resonate deeply within our souls the beginnings of the church. Here it is from the text. They devoted themselves. It was not just a commitment. It was not just a profession. They devoted themselves. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What does it mean to be devoted? What what does it mean for the church here at Lover's Lane to devote ourselves 
to Christ and the gospel. You know, first of all this morning, I want to say the Holy Spirit led the early church and leads us today like the early church was led centuries ago to devote ourselves to the teachings of the apostles. You know, it's important that they listened to the teachings of the apostles, the early church. They, they did not know Jesus firsthand. Most all of them did not. And yet they experienced the life of Jesus through the teachings of the apostles. They learned the, the, the gospel through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They learned about how the coming of the Christ fulfilled the prophets of the Old Testament. They weren't sitting down reading Bibles and having Bible studies. There was not a Bible. It was the witness of the apostles and those who had come to faith that, that they, 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 they fed on. You know, the first letters in our New Testament, the, the earliest writings in the New Testament, were written maybe 15 or, um, or, or 20 years after the Pentecost event. And the first Gospels, even later than that, 15 years beyond. John's Gospel, even later than that. So, so we need to hear the importance of how people were coming to faith. They were coming to faith by witnesses sharing their experience of the risen Lord who had come into their hearts, who had changed them. And, and, you know, today we need to, to, to know how important it is, the teachings of the church. We hear the teachings through, uh, through sermons. Sermons are so very important. Sermons are really, really important. You know, sermons are important. Amen. Thank you. But, but so is, are the lessons we learn in Sunday school. You know, I've been amazed to watch the Good News class that's meeting now in Watson Hall and, and how when they first started, they had, I think, 21 or 22 present, maybe 30 or 35 watching virtually, and how that has completely flip-flopped. And, and at the end of the day, my guess is Good News has more people um, hearing the message of, that's brought to them by the apostle uh, Ted Campbell, maybe the disciple Ted Campbell, than they had before. You know, we can celebrate that, that, that people are engaging with the church's teachings. And we've gotten better at it, I think, because of this virtual era. Now we have blogs and YouTube videos and channels uh, galore sharing the good news and what the church is doing, what the church is about. And traditional in-person experiences are also something we've longed for and are now experiencing. You know, these teachings center us and assure us of having a well-grounded belief. The Holy Spirit leads us to Bible teaching and preaching that helps center our lives on Christ, His life, death, resurrection, ascension, and the Holy Spirit's empowerment of us, the church. And secondly, this morning, the Holy Spirit leads us 
to be devoted to Christian fellowship. Just as he led the early church, the Holy Spirit leads us today. You know, it's important to know that we belong and that we are connected. And not only with other humans, but, but with God through that fellowship with other humans. The sustainer, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the Holy Spirit is best experienced in Christian fellowship. In spite of the fact that we live in an increasingly crowded city and world, there's a growing phenomenon of loneliness. And, and I think the last several months, this COVID era, as I sometimes refer to it, I think it accentuated the loneliness in many people's lives, especially those of you who are a little more extroverted and need people for that energy. It's been lonely. You, you know, many of the social diseases and illnesses that we see manifest in our time are a result of people trying to find ways to deal with loneliness. And the loneliness is not always uh, um, uh, corrected by a crowd. Have you ever been in a crowd and felt really alone? You hear the conversations going on all around and people are, are talking, but they're not really saying anything. It's all superficial or shallow. Conversations happening, but not fellowship. Not Christian fellowship. You know, words are exchanged, but socializing is different than Christian fellowship. One of the important things for the ministry of any church is to care about people. And whether you're a visitor or a regular member in the church, it's important to show that, yes, Jesus loves you. And that's the message of the fellowship. We experience God's love for people when we are with people. We experience God's love from people when we are with people. The Holy Spirit leads us to gather in community because we are special. And God wants us to know that we are God's children. The third thing I want to say this morning is the Holy Spirit leads Christians to be devoted in worship. We see that in this story. And we read it. They also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and in prayers. Worship is vital to our lives. You know, the breaking of bread, it may very well have been a meal, but we know the most sacred breaking of bread for the Christian fellowship is the Eucharist. It was important for the early church to gather to fellowship, but it was most important for the early church to worship and to praise. And they found ways and places to do so. And the, the, the presence of the living Lord was always there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, worship is one of the ways that we say, uh, not only to others, but to ourselves, yes, Jesus loves me. And I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your love. 
In the community of believers, the preacher and the choir are not the performers for an audience. We're not. God is the only audience of our worship. You and I are ministers one to another. Ministers pray for the congregation. And and the, the congregation prays for our ministers, all of us. We sing together. We read scripture together in worship. We hear the word proclaimed and we respond to the challenges of whatever the message or the lesson is in worship. Worship in prayer is one of the ways we proclaim that even when we feel out of touch, there is someone keeping us connected, someone who is vital to our life, someone who is greater than we are, and that someone is God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Finally, this morning, I want to say the Holy Spirit leads the church to be devoted to the economic and financial responsibilities of the community. The scripture says they, the church, shared what they had with one another so that no one was in need. You don't know that unless you're worshiping in the smaller intimate settings. Then you know who among you needs that extra touch, that that special support that the church can bring. You know, I think it's important that we are aware of the concerns and needs of others around us. And when we gather, we hear about those concerns and needs, not just within the church, but beyond the church. And and when we hear about those needs, it's the church's responsibility to respond. It is important to know the faith, to feel the fellowship, but it's also important to know the needs of the homeless, to hear the cries of the hurting, and to gather as a fellowship to figure out and to decide how we respond. It's amazing to me when we can give um, of what we have so that others can have their needs met. You know, this morning I was given a little envelope. It says, for food ministry, love Grayton Luganville. Sarah tells me that 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 little Grayton, she has several little jobs or routines that she is about, chores. And when she does those things that are her responsibility, she gets a little allowance. And she has a place for money she can spend and a place for, uh, for money she will save and a place for money that she will give to God. How old's great? Is she six? Six years old. She, she's gotten the message in her way of giving to God. It is what she has heard from this community. Not just from mom and dad. She's witnessed it here. Food ministry. When, when we heard the cry of those around us that food was scarce for some people, we responded. 
And, and today, I think the, the numbers are like 200,000 people. Uh, nearly 600,000 pounds of fresh produce, rice and beans was the result. And it wasn't free. And Drayton knows it. And so do all of us in this fellowship, in this community. And this is but one way. Uh, the next way, I guess you'd say. And there'll be another and another and another where the fellowship gathered uh, doesn't gather just for ourselves. We gather for people who aren't here yet, may never be here. But the Holy Spirit's prompted us to serve in Jesus' name. They devoted themselves, Scripture says. They were more than just committed. They gave and sold what they had so that all their needs were met. Important life-changing things happen when the church of Jesus Christ gathers and the Holy Spirit moves us to love God and to love one another. You know, I asked the prayer group last night as Vesper's prayer friends gathered, all of you invited any Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday, we pray together about 8.45 we start. I asked them to name their favorite hymn that speaks about the Holy Spirit. And that was an easy question to respond to. And we started hearing about those hymns, most of which we knew, most of which we could sing in our, in our heads, in our hearts, uh, even not out loud. But one that was mentioned is one that I think we all know. So I'm going to ask you to join in, as you will, with this proclamation of the church. And what I love most about the church gathered in the fellowship, in the worship, and in the giving is the sweet, sweet spirit that precedes us here. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know they feel the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we 
shall leave this place. Church, that's what it's all about. Amen.